Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Come on, say amen. So uh, today, let's pray because I have a brand new series that I'm entitling From Calling to Destiny. And I just want you to... (laughs) I want you to, to really get some notes, really get your Bible, because uh, I spent a lot of time praying about this, a lot of time researching this. We're going to go through uh, mostly a story of Joseph, but other stories on how Joseph had to pass 10 specific character tests. Now, I'm not going to have a 10-week series, I don't think, right? Uh, but um, I counted, there was like 9 or 10 specific character tests that, um, that Joseph had to pass in order for him to be entrusted with what God called him to do. Do you know that it's possible for God to call you to do something, a business, or put an idea and it will never come to pass because we fail specific character tests? Come on. Come on. Say amen. Every now and then you need to go to a church that, gives you, that makes you say ouch every now and then. It's okay. If everything is just hallelujah, praise God, glory to God, and now no ouch, there's, a, there's, there's not a good balance with our walk with God. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would open our eyes, our ears. We love your word. We love your word. And I pray that it will start this series, that it will start momentum in our people to not just know the dream or the assignment or the call or a, or, or a business idea, not just know that in their heart, but to fully pass the test to be trusted with the destiny of what you've given us in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So I'm going to give you an intro before I, uh, I turn to Genesis 37. We're going to be reading uh, probably about 15 or so scriptures. And I know that many of you are used to or familiar with the book of Joseph. Sorry, the book of jo- The story of Joseph. The book. Of, I should have said that to see if someone would correct me. No. The, 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 the book of Genesis, the story of Joseph. But I do not want you to tune me out because you know the story. Because there's practical applications that I want to share with you under the Spirit of God in the next several weeks are going to be life-changing. Even for me, to be honest, as I was studying this, I'd go, oh my goodness, I never know that this was a test. I never knew it. You know that God, some people say God will never test you. I'm like, what Bible are you reading? He will never tempt you, but he will test you. That is 100% truth. You look it up. He tested Abraham. He tested so many people from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Why? Because there's a goal in mind. Now, here's where I want to start. I have, a, I have a, a good about five or ten minute intro before we even read because I want to I give a foundation what I'm going to speak on, all right? Number one, if, if everyone here in this room has a calling or assignment, listen to me, uh, I don't want to... I, want, I don't want you to think these big, super spiritual things when I say calling. It, everyone has a calling. That doesn't mean when I say calling that you have to be in ministry. Everyone has a dream, a seed for business, a desire that has been put inside of you, an assignment, a call. Every single person in this room has an assignment, a call, a business venture, uh, uh, something that started when you were younger or even now, right, that is really um, a capsulization of what God wants you to do for your life. Hear me. So if you are alive in this, in this era, that means you have a purpose for this era, Right? And so you have to, to, to realize that there's a difference between knowing your calling 
into stepping into the fulfillment of your uh, destiny. Some people call it dream. You fill in the blanks, okay? Now, I want to say this. The progression usually starts like this when it comes to our calling, assignment, a business idea that will launch you into business, some very fruitful, some mediocre, whatever it is, right? How many people have uh, our business people in here, right? Business people, come on. Business owners, right? Did not that business start with a seed of an idea years ago? Right? It started with an idea deep down inside, but you know more than anyone else that there's a difference between the idea and then walking it out and seeing it come to pass. The same way is with the calling. So the progression usually starts like this, usually. Number one, it usually starts with something burning in your heart. Some people you tell me, Pastor George, how do I know what my call is? That's a loaded question. I just, I just can't sit down with you and hear, 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 hear. But I can give you some clues of how you know what your calling or assignment is. Number one, it should be burning in your heart over and over again. And it usually starts when you're younger. So anything that you have a passion for, if it's business, it'll start burning in your heart, right? If it's children's ministry, it'll burn in your heart. If it's, uh, uh, if it's missions, it will burn in your heart. If it's teaching, if it's singing, it will start burning in your heart. Or, everybody say or, or that confirmation, is, it, starts, it starts with several people or the Lord giving you confirmations about the same thing. Hello? Right? So I'm just giving you, a, this is just an intro. This is how the progression of knowing your calling starts. Younger starts burning in your heart or several confirmations that you need to do something specific. You follow me, right? The second progression is, uh, is, is when you start having that burning or, or, that, or that confirmation is the process and time. <laughs> and time, does it, see, it takes for you to actually step into that calling. Listen to me. Zoom in real quick. Just because you receive an idea or a prophetic word at a certain point of your life does not mean that the next day you're going to walk in that calling. Because David was prophesied by the prophet, come on, Samuel, in front of his brothers. It wasn't even a, a, a great, um, a celebrated service. He said, in front of his brothers, I anoint you as the next king of Israel. Now, did he become king of Israel that very next day just because a prophet? Listen, was the Lord in that prophecy? Yes. But what that did, watch this, this is all intro, so just hang in with me. What that did is allowed life to come into David saying, God has just confirmed what I'm about to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to be king of Israel. But guess what? It took several years for the timing uh, and several things he had to go through, right, to get to that calling. And then number three is the actual fulfillment of that calling, which is translated walking in your destiny. When you start, when you start fulfilling that calling, you're actually moving from calling to destiny. Do you know that many people get stuck in the calling stage and never see the destiny stage? They just know the call. They could confirm the call. Other people could confirm the call. But they never step past knowing to doing. A lot of people in church know that there's something burning in them. A lot of people know that they have confirmations uh, over and over again when they were younger about them doing something business uh, 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 or whatever it is. And I I'm really am talking to business people as well because I don't want you to think calling is just a spiritual thing for pastors. Calling is business ventures. But even with business people, only, there's only a handful of people that translate or graduate from an idea 
to actually fleshing it out in real life. None of this would have been would have been available to you if I kept the dream of Remnant Christian Center in my heart and knew it all the time. Well, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, well, guess what? One of these days has to come into the natural. Oh, come on, say amen. Come on, watch this. And so I want you to take, a, we're going to take an in-depth look of Joseph's life because Joseph needed to pass several character tests in order for him to watch this, be trusted with leadership, be trusted with influence, be trusted with authority. He had to pass these tests. And, and, and some of them, some people in this room, barely scratched the surface of graduating from, and I said that right, graduating from calling to destiny. If I were to have a poll, which I'm not because I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, ask, do you know in some part of your life what you're supposed to do? Or what's burning in your heart? What's consistently have been burning in your heart to do? Most people, probably 70%, will probably raise their hands. All right? If I were to ask how many of those seven people that raise their hands are actually doing that? Can I, can I, can I go deep, deep, deeper? Will you allow me to go deeper? There's a difference between making money, good money, and still not doing your calling. Still not doing your dream. You could be working for a Fortune 500 company and do it and making good money. That doesn't mean that just because you're making good money that that's the assignment that God's called you to do. It doesn't mean that if you're preaching, that's what God called you to do. Uh-oh. Some, some of you should not. I heard a pastor say year, uh, years ago, says, I just don't really like people. I like to go in the parking lot and serve. And, and, and we were like, then you're not called to be a pastor. Because pastors need to preach and equip and love people. Right? So some people are in the pulpit that shouldn't be in the pulpit. And some people are in business that shouldn't be in business. Uh, I'm just in my intro. I haven't even started yet. So three, three kind of things real quick before I try to go to the scriptures of why people stay stuck in their calling and never graduate. Ready? I'm going to help you. Number one, because they don't recognize the call or assignment from God. Do not raise your hands. But I, get, I dare to tell you, if I were to ask you a secret poll, do you recognize the call or the assignment of God that was placed in you when you first got saved or even now when you rededicated your life, you will be shocked to hear people say, I don't even know. So number one, the reason why people don't graduate from calling to destiny, because watch this, they don't even know their calling. They don't even know their, their assignment, right? Number two, number two, the reason why people don't graduate from calling to destiny is because they don't believe that God gave them anything. They think it's for specific people that uh, are, have specific leadership skills, and so they feel that, it's, that God never really gave them anything. I'm just here to follow Jesus, but I'm here to tell you, if you gave your life to the Lord, you have an assignment and a calling to fulfill. And then number three, this is where I'm going to start is what I'm going to talk about in this series. The third reason people don't graduate from calling, knowing their calling, to walking in their destiny is because, watch this, because we fail specific character tests along the road and the journey. Because God has to trust us with responsibility. And as you're going to see, Joseph was 17 years old when he got, watch this, when he got his dream or call or assignment. He was 30 years old, 13 years later, I'm giving you a background, 30 years old when he actually stepped into it. And he went through all these tests, and I'm going to backtrack in a second. 
And then he was in his late, in his mid-40s, some historians say, when he actually uh, went, had the fulfillment of his destiny, okay? Now, I want to, uh, I want to give the, the, the second, the second um, point, because the first point I missed. Look at this first point before we read. Just as it was in the life of Joseph, ready? There are specific character tests that we all must pass in order to fulfill the mandate and destiny of our lives. Are you ready for the first test? The first test we're going to talk about this morning is going to be on the screen. Is the pride test. Uh-huh. The first test that we're going to talk about this morning. The first one that Joseph had to face before he was trusted. And by the way, is the first one we all have to face on a continual basis. Is the pride test. So if you feel you don't need to listen to this, listen carefully. You caught that? It's the prideful people that inwardly, inwardly say, I don't need to hear that. Well, then you, you listen very closely. Because pride disguises itself into making you believe that you don't need something. Amen, Pastor George. Genesis chapter 37, we're going to see this whole message on how Joseph dealt with the pride test. And I'm going to say something. We tend to heroize the people of the Bible as if they never had weaknesses or they never had consequence brought up to them because of their actions or their immaturity. Just because God uses someone in the Bible, do not think that they didn't contribute just a little bit to some of the consequences that happened in their life. You say, well, Pastor George, that's a little rough. Let me ask you something before we read the story. Is David a man of God? Was David a man of God? Was he? Was he? Was, was it the devil or his own consequences that brought some hardship in his life? Not all of it was, the, was his own uh, decisions, but not all of it was the devil. Guess what? He slept with someone that had, who was already married, and he, he suffered the consequence of his own actions. Okay? If we fail certain tests, we will reap the consequences of those failed tests. And I'll get, I'm going to get that in a second. How about Samson? Was Samson a mighty man of God? Was it the devil that caused his eyes to be blinded? Or was his own decision to be with a woman that was not part of the covenant? Why do I say that? Because when I read the story, I can sense in my spirit that some of you are going to say, well, how do you know that Joseph struggled with pride? That's a good question, right? Good question, because I didn't interview him. <laughs> I didn't talk to him. I was like, yo, Joseph, you know, I know, I know we go way back. But um, you know how I know? Are you ready for this? Because through Revelation, by reading the scriptures, you will see that a 17-year-old young man struggled with arrogance and pride. And you say, oh, come on, come on, I don't believe that. I'm going to read it in just a second. But I want, you to, I, want, I want you to normalize Bible characters for just one moment. He was 17 years old. 17. How many 17-year-olds you know that have it all together, even in the church? All right? Now look at this. Here it goes. Genesis chapter 37 Verse 1, we're going to read about 13, uh, not chapters, verses. Um, Are you ready? Here it is. So Jacob settled in the land of Canaan. This is NLT, where his fathers had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the son of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. I'm sure there were great daughters there. But Joseph reported 
to his father, look at this, some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So some call it a tattletale. Some just call it keeping them accountable. Okay. Look at verse 3. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his uh, other children. That's a problem right there. Because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, and it was a beautiful robe. And we call that a a robe of many colors, right? Look at verse 4. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Verse 5. One night, now I want you to see this perspective, right? The pride test. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers about it, about the dream, they hated him more than ever. Everything's cool for, for now, like nothing, nothing too alarming so, so far, right? He said, verse 6, listen to this dream. He said, we were out in the field, guys, tying up bundles of grain. All his older brothers, who he knew, by the way, already had a problem with him because their father was already favoring them. And even though he knew that already, he's saying, hey, guys, Guess this dream that I had, and you guys were in it, and you guys were buying down to me. Look what he says. He goes, Joseph, Joseph had a dream. So, so verse 7, we were out in the field tying up grain. Suddenly my bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Yours did. Mine's didn't. Yours bowed before low, below, and I was standing up. Verse 8, his brothers responded, so, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? Now, I want you to... Highlight this in your Bible. I never saw this before. I never saw this before. I want you to highlight these next phrases. And they hated him all the more. Now, please listen to this. Not only because of his dreams, but by the way he talked about them. Now, the Holy Spirit put that in the Bible. It wasn't the brothers that came up with that. The Holy Spirit said they hated him not only because of his dream, but how he talked about the dream. I'm going to say that in a, in a second. So Joseph had another dream. Now remember, he already knew the brothers hated him. He had a second dream. And again, he told it to his brothers about, to, about it. Now let me pause and say, if you know your brothers hate you because your father loves you more, and now they hate you more because of the, of the tone in which you are speaking it, would you, a wise person, would you say another dream to your brothers? If you knew, okay, you know what, let me just chill out. No, he's like, I'm going to let them know, and I'm going to let mom and dad know. Oh, you're going to see how God is going to raise me up above all you guys. Such act of humility there, right? So Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers, listen, I have another dream. He said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed before me, verse, th- verse 10. Uh, this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is this, son, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Verse 11, but while his brothers were jealous, Joseph, his father, wondered what this dream meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brother went to pasture the father's flock at Shechem. Verse 13, I'm almost done. When they had begun, gone for a long time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. And he said, I will go. Everybody say the first test that we all have to pass is the pride test. Say the pride test. Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to answer some of your questions right now because we read the story. I'm going to give you a couple of signs right in the front 
of why I believe, and some scholars that I, that I looked at, some historians and scholars, some theologians, believe that Joseph had an arrogant problem, a, 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 a problem with pride that God had to make sure he overcame in order for him to be used as a powerful leader. I don't know about you, but any leader that struggles with pride is not a good leader. There's a difference between confidence and pride. I'm not talking about confidence. You need to have confidence. But if you're prideful, then there is an abortion that happens, and you'll actually hurt people in the process. Now watch this. Here are some signs, early signs, that, I, that, that uh, Joseph uh, was, was struggling with the pride test. Number one, he was 17 years old, and just hormonally, a 17-year-old does not have it together. They don't have the tenure or the maturity to sometimes recognize that they are struggling with pride. It's funny. Teenagers think they know everything sometimes. They think, teenagers, they think, no, 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 I'm not a kid anymore. I, I, you don't understand. I, re- I remember one time when I tried to say a word that I used to say uh, uh, back in the day, like, like, like uh, I forgot what it was, lit or something like that, uh, something like that. And so my kid's like, no, 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 dad, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't ever say lit. Or, oh, no, I said word. I said word. Oh, dad, don't say that. I go, I've been saying word before you were born. Word. Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know. We used to be cool, right? But, but teenagers, teenagers like, no, 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 no dad, don't do that, right? Teenagers honestly think that they know more than they really know. So number one, he's a teenager, okay? Number, number, number two, number two, I want you to notice in verse eight, in verse eight, God highlights a secret that Joseph was struggling with. He said they were mad at him for the manner in which he spoke about his dreams. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Listen, you could say something right and the delivery will be wrong and it messes everything up. Did you hear what I said? A prophet can actually say a prophetic word and deliver it in a mean, rude, antagonizing way and the delivery is off. Therefore, the effectiveness to, for you to receive is off. You could say something accurate and, and, and deliver it, watch this, in a wrong tone, and it reeks with pride and arrogance, and that person's not going to receive it. Come on, can I hear an amen? You could actually say the right thing, but say it in a wrong way, and it turns people off, and it shuts them off. So the Bible didn't say that they were mad at him only because of the dreams. They were mad at him in the manner in which he spoke it. Oh, come on, somebody. He already knew that his brothers hated him, and yet he, in a manner that was very, very uh, uh, demeaning, he would be, uh, be, be saying this to his brothers. Now, I want to point out something, that his brothers were much older than him, and by the way, had a lot more experience in, in shepherding the herd than he did. We don't see that. They had a lot more experience of shepherding the herd. Yet there was time and time again where you see Joseph coming up, coming up to that and, and failing and dealing with this. Okay, so but, but here's the thing. He was 17 years old. He received his calling from God. He had this struggle with some arrogance by the way that he said it about his dreams. And watch this. His failure to recognize or pass the pride test got him into deep trouble. Everybody say deep trouble. Because... God, what he does to us, 
when he reveals the assignment of God to us, or when he reveals a business plan to us, he only tells you, he only shows you the finish line so that you could be excited about the call, but he doesn't tell you what you're going to go through when you say yes to the call. Because if, you, if he tells you everything that you're going to go through when he gives that idea to you or when he gives you that call and he, and he tells you, hey, if you say yes to this, here's the end. And, and he gives you the end, the finish line. You're going to the finish line. You're like, I want that. I've always used to say, like, he does this. Here, son, I have something for you. He gives you the glimpse. You're like, oh, I like that. He goes, you like that? You like that? Here's that business idea. Ready? You're going to make millions. Ready? Oh, oh, I like that. But he doesn't say, oh, by the way, your name is going to be slandered on the way. By the way, by the way, you're, you're, your family's going to go through hell. You're going to feel like giving up. You're going to be at the point of despair. He doesn't tell you that. You know why? Because if he did, we'll reject the call. So he goes, oh, I like that. Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. Oh, I'm gonna, you're going to bow down to me? Listen, I had a dream from God. I'm going to be over you guys. Isn't that amazing? You guys are going to bow down to me. Come on, say, give me a high five. Right? So he's saying, he's saying this, but he had no idea. Oh, come on, I'm, I'm preaching to somebody. Some of you, the reason why you're actually not doing the call because somewhere along the journey the call was too hard for you it brought you pain come on and you stopped in the middle of it and you said this is too hard why did God do this because he wanted you to say yes but it's the character test that we go through in the journey that helps us decide if we're going to ever get to the finish line come on the finish line watch this watch this and then you'll see, when you're young and you first give your life to the Lord, you're full of fire, you're full of zeal, you're full of desire, but you're void of testing. You're full of zeal, full of fire, you're 100 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden you start walking and you start getting these tests. I've had several people that I've known for years say, this leadership thing is harder than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, everyone wants to preach. Everyone wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to be a business person. Everybody wants to be a millionaire. But no one wants to count the cost and the price of some of the agony is going to cost your life for the test that you have to pass through to mature you, to trust you. Listen, and for him to actually do something in you. Look at this next point. In order for us to be trusted with what God promises, one of the first tests he will always need, we will always need to pass on a continual basis, is the pride test. Just because you passed it five years ago doesn't mean you're not needing to pass it today. And here me give you a, let me give you a little secret. The more God uses you and the more influence you have, the greater opportunity you have to be puffed up and prideful. A lot, of my, a lot of my old spiritual sons and daughters say, PG, you change. You're softer than you used to be. I go, no, I've just been through many trials. Well, you used to, you used to, pew, used to pew. I go, I still go. Pew. But watch this. But the delivery is different. You know why? I used to just bam, 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 bam. And God goes, you know what? You have some character flaws. I'm going I'm to give you some, several character tests because I can't allow you to keep injuring people and still preach the gospel. So I have to, I have to, 
I have to allow you to get some tests so that you could, so that you could pass them and sometimes with agony so that your character could be strong. So you could be more merciful. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Watch this, watch this. God doesn't want us, he wants us to be excited about our dream. He wants to be excited, but he doesn't want us to treat our dream and our calling as if it's better than anybody else. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, uh, I'm not going to turn to it because of time, that Paul said, hey, the, the, the members in the body that you think are less honorable are actually have the highest honor. The ones like, the, like, he said, like, the arm can't say to the leg, hey, you're not an arm, you're not a leg, so you can't be here. No, he goes, if the whole body was the ear, who would do the seeing? If the whole body was the, the eyes, who would do the hearing, right? He says, the, the ones that are most honorable, the ones that are, are put the least honor, those are the ones that are honorable the most, right? So as a young man, Joseph was already failing the pride test. But I have good news for you. Are you ready to shout? Are you ready to shout? In God's perspective, are you ready? When we fail an exam, he doesn't put an F on the exam. He stamps retake. <laughs> when we fail a character test, God doesn't stamp an F on the spiritual exam. He stamps retake. Come on, say retake. So I have good news for you. If you've ever failed a test from God, guess what? You're going to do it all over again. I know some of you guys, yeah, 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 yeah. The good news is that he doesn't say F. He says retake. Where is that in the Bible? You know what the Bible says? He goes, Moses, you've skirted around this mountain way too long. It's time to move on from this mountain. Hey, Elijah, I know you've been provided by this brook, but it used to provide for you. Don't make an idol of this place of provision. I'm going to dry it up. So you have to move. So you have to move. Just because a place used to provide for you doesn't mean it's always going to be the place that it provides for you. He says retake. Come on, say retake. Some of us have been retaking the same exam for 10 years. Notice what I said. Theologians and historians say that it would have took the children of Israel about 13 days to go from the wilderness to the promised land. Yet they wandered for 40 years because they never passed the test. They kept murmuring. They kept complaining. God says, go around that wilderness again. All right, let's go this way. Let's go this way. Why, 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 are you, why are you doing this to me, Moses? Why are you correcting me? Why are you doing this? All right, go over there. Go over this way. Go over this way. Go over this way. Come on. Oh, we're thirsty. We're, 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 I can't believe we were better in Egypt. All right, go over there. And you know what? He kept on taking the children of Israel to the wilderness because they did not pass the character tests. Look at this point. Some signs that we, are you ready? And I'm going to bring it home. Some signs that we, that's why I'm going to talk about you. That's why I'm not just going to talk about Joseph. I want to apply it to you, to me. Some signs that we may be struggling with the pride test. Are you ready? Oh, you got quiet up in here. You're good as long as I talk about Joseph. But when I say, hey, here's some signs that you may be struggling with the pride test. Number one. Here's the first sign. And I didn't get this from a book. This is just life experience, okay? All right? Life experience. Are you ready? Some, look at the num number one. Look at the, the first one. When we get easily bothered at pure-hearted or godly correction. It got quiet. 
It got quiet, so I need to hide from this pulpit for a little bit. When we get easily bothered by pure-hearted, notice that I said pure-hearted, because some, some, some corrections are not pure-hearted. Some corrections are vengeful on purpose. I'm going to say it on purpose to hurt you. No, 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 no. I'm talking about pure-hearted correction and godly correction. People constantly are bothered. If you are constantly bothered by someone that loves you, loves you, genuinely loves you, and they have a proven track record of character, and they bring a word of correction. Can I just say something? Everyone loves you when you're smiling at them, but no one loves you when you start bringing a loving correction into their life. Everyone, everyone thinks you're on top of the, of the game when you agree with everything that they agree with. But the moment you don't agree with something, oh, 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 oh you, ain't no, you ain't my top 10 list. You ain't my top 20 list anymore. Let that sword get you. Let that sword get you. Watch this. Look at what the Bible says about, about pride and when it comes to correction. Ready? If, listen, I'm going to give you a little free tip. This is not about us. If you have a problem with pride, you have a problem with receiving correction. I'm going to say that again. That's not in my notes. If you have a problem with pride, you have a problem with receiving loving correction. Now, now I'm not talking about you go picking a fight to see how spiritual you are. Say, hey, 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 everything that you said was wrong and I can prove it to you. Right? I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pure-hearted, godly correction that says, hey, 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 come over here. I love you, and I know some people will not tell you this because they're going to lose you as a friend, but what are you doing getting drunk all the time? You're supposed to be a Christian. Well, we're, ju we're just casually, you know, we're just casually drinking. Why are you getting drunk all the time, though? That's not right. Well, I don't like you. You're judging me now. No, loving correction is, listen, I love you enough to leave you in that condition, and nobody else will tell you because they're afraid of you. And they're afraid to lose you. You know what's freed me? That I have no attachments to anybody. So I can lovingly flip. Like I can say, hey, I love you, but this is not right. But you know why? Because if I cared for that person to like me in order for me to give them correction, I'll never give anybody correction. Because I just want everyone to like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look at Proverbs chapter 9. Look at Proverbs chapter 9. I got quiet up in this Methodist church here. Look at this. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 9, look at this, look at this, look at this. Proverbs chapter 9, are you ready? Do not rebuke or correct a scoffer. You know what a scoffer is? A scoffer by definition in the Hebrew means a proudful, uh, let me read it, one who pridefully mocks. One who pridefully mocks. That's a scoffer, okay? Do not correct one who pridefully mocks lest he hate you. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. What? You know, you want to know who's wise and who's foolish? How they respond to correction, godly correction. When someone says PG, man, you know, one of the, what, years ago, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but years ago, one of my spiritual sons, I'll never forget this, it changed my life. One of my spiritual sons, I don't know if even some of my old spiritual sons and daughters know about this, because it was a private conversation, but it changed my life. You know, as a youth pastor, I had some, some knuckleheads. You know, I had some, I had to be rough. I had to be, I had to be tough because I just had a lot of street kids. I had like 200 young people, and, and, and I did not allow them to walk over me. I'm not, but, I was, you know, but I was very strong in discipleship, very strong. My delivery at times was more than what it should have been. But I didn't see it. it. You just blame it on zeal and the anointing. Come on, somebody, right? Well, it's just the anointing of God. It's just the zeal of God. But I was hurting people, right? So I remember this one time, uh, one of my spiritual sons says, uh, uh, Pastor George, I need to talk to you. And it took everything for that poor guy. To 
<laughs> Poor guy. I mean, he was like, I need to talk to you. And he was in my truck, right? I had a, had a truck at that time. And he goes, I just want to you, you know, I love you. And, I, and I'm thankful for everything you've done in my life. And this, watch this slow motion like a dagger. He goes, but you don't realize you hurt people. What? He says, you hurt people by the way you say things. Guys, it would, it would have been like, I felt like a sword come into my heart at that time. Now, now watch this. What did, what did that young man risk? He risked favor with me. He risked, he risked uh, favor in the youth group or whatever it is. But he loved me enough to tell me, hey, you may not realize it, but you're, watch this. What you're saying is true, but how you're delivering it is hurtful. You know what? I changed. Why? Because I loved him enough to say thank you for putting your neck on the line to lovingly point out something in me that I was blind in. And guess what? I changed from that day forward. I changed. I, ch I made a commitment. Come on. So if you have a problem with correction, you're failing the pride test. Number two. Number two. Second sign you may be failing the pride test. Are you ready for this? Again, I didn't read this in the, it, this is life examples, right? When we feel, we have to always tell or give our resume to others of all we've done in our life. It got quiet up here. Let me say it again. When we feel, have you ever noticed people that it's a defense mechanism for people? Whenever there's a conversation about holding someone else accountable, they say, well, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and I've done that and I'm always doing this. I'm like, wait a minute, you're always bringing back what you used to do and you don't have anything fresh for today. It's a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism to, to block correction or, 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 or adjustments in your life by always throwing out your resume. Have you, if you find yourself saying as a default, like I'm always having to say my accomplishments to people, it's a sign of insecurity and a sign of pride. You know what I love? My wife said, oh, you're going to love this. My wife, oh my gosh, she's a gangster. My, I'm telling you. She's a Puerto Rican from the Bronx, not Brooklyn, from the Bronx. And she said, babe, she said, just like this, I was driving, I go, oh, my God. This is like a drive. She's just the other day, she goes, babe, people that always have to tell their spiritual resumes and their accomplishments of their past when, they're, when they have a form of correction are like spiritual chihuahuas. I go, what? Spiritual chihuahuas? I go, yeah. She's like, they have a big bark to disguise how small they really are. I go, girl, that, I'm going to steal that. As I said again, they're spiritual chihuahuas. <laughs> they have a big bark to disguise how small they really are. Because true dogs that know, come on, that they're strong and they know their power doesn't have to hide behind their bark to intimidate you. They will attack you. But you know what happens with a chihuahua when they start barking? And God forbid. And you know what happens when, when a chihuahua starts barking? All you have to do is get close to it. It just starts backing up. Am I right? Right? But when a Doberman pitcher barks, you better run. Because it ain't backing up. When a pit bull starts barking, it's coming after your neck. Listen, some people are all bark and no bite. It's a rare day today at RCC. They bark. I've done all these things. 
I could do all these things. I was a missionary five years ago. I was in leadership three years ago. I did all that. I did all that. And I almost want to say, well, then we can't tell you anything because you're already coming up to us that you know everything. So that means everything we're doing is wrong because you've done all of that. I used to tell people that, that used to, to be overly corrective. You know, there's a, there's a balance between wanting to get overly corrective and critical. And I used to say to these people, I go, is the pecking order in the kingdom, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you? Like, is it Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then every revelation that anybody ever gets has to be filtered through you. You have to agree with it. I said, no, you don't have to agree with me. And just because you don't doesn't mean I'm wrong. All right? Look at number three. Look at number three. Are you getting something this morning? The third reason, this is where I'm going to land the plane here in the next ten minutes. The third reason, the third sign that we may be failing the pride test. Come on. If this is convicting you, this is a good thing. But I hope that it strengthens you as well. Don't tune me out because that could be a sign of pride. It could. It could. It could. It could. It could. Are you ready for this? The third sign is when we tend to dominate conversations and talk too much to prove our point. Hello? If you have a problem interrupting people constantly, you're most likely struggling with pride. If you have to get your opinion out in, in a group gathering, if you're the most dominant one and you're always interrupting people and you're always trying to get the point, how about this, ladies? I know you're going to love me for this. How about when you're trying to say something and, and the other person interrupts you half sentence because they want to prove their point. You know that's pride because of what, it, what you're actually saying is my opinion is more important than yours. That's what you're saying is when you don't allow people to talk and you dominate the conversation, come on somebody, I'm preaching good here. You know what that could be a sign of is that your voice wants to be heard. Pride has a voice and pride always wants to be heard. Say pride has a voice and, and pride Always wants to be heard. Now, I'm not saying to be silent. There's a balance. I'm not saying that you don't speak up at the right sign. But what's the motive of you speaking up? Right? Look at Ecclesiastes. Watch this. Watch this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. The first test is the pride test. Say the pride test. You can, uh, you can, let me give you a, a clue based on Joseph. How you pass the pride test, pay attention to your speech. So pay attention to what comes out your mouth. Because if you, ha I'll say that later. But look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. Are you there? Say amen. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity. Uh-oh, here's a, here's a gangster verse. And a fool's voice is known by his many words. A fool's voice is known by his many words. All these things that I'm telling you was congruent in Joseph's early life. It was the manner in which he spoke. God had to bring him to a place where he would surrender and pass the pride test in order for him to be uh, trusted. Now, I'm going to say something very powerful because I didn't read it. You'll, you'll see it next week when I, when I preach on it. Um, What led to Joseph not passing the pride test? Are you ready for this? What happened? Come on, complete the sentence. What happened to Joseph when he failed the pride test? What was his consequence? He got thrown into a pit. Now, again, we blame everything on the devil. 
but it was because he failed the test of pride that caused him to suffer his own consequences. If you are unwilling to repent of pride, guaranteed, I guarantee, you can write this down, you will suffer some consequence because you're not admitting that, God forbid, someone else could be right and you are wrong. God forbid that you, just because you don't like something, as a matter of fact, if it pierces your heart and you, and you get like that, all riled up, usually it's because God just wants to challenge you about something in you, right? So watch this. There are some things God shows you. Here's, here's where I'm going to land this. This is, this is powerful, right? There are some things God shows you that is meant for you and God only, not for you to tell anybody else about. The problem with Joseph is that God spoke to Joseph a true statement about his destiny. But what Joseph got it wrong is that he chose to decide to tell everybody his dream that maybe was just between him and God. Because he knew that at one day in his life, God was going to remind him of that word that God gave him. So it was for him. It was more for Joseph than anybody else. Nobody had anything to gain for Joseph telling them that they were going to bow down to them. Guess what? It was for Joseph. And uh oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna get in trouble. But please hear me with a pure heart. With a pure heart. And this is why I feel, this is just my opinion. You could you could disagree with me. There are some prophets, not all, some prophets heard accurately or hear accurately, but they were hearing something for God for themselves to pray about it in the secret place, not maybe to tell everyone about it. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Just because God speaks something to you does not mean you had to shout it at the rooftop. Watch this. You say, where is that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Because, because Paul the apostle didn't go to the first heaven. He, he didn't go to the second heaven. He went to the third heaven. And let me tell you, if I go to the third heaven, there's a temptation. I want to tell everybody about this holy moment and tell them how spiritual I am. I went to the third heaven. Has anybody in here ever went to the third heaven? Paul the apostle got translated in a vision to the third heaven where he saw angels and seraphims and he heard conversations. I want you to see the fear of the Lord for Paul not to babble what he saw because he discerned that what God revealed to him was for him only. And to pray it through in the place of intercession. Do you know why God reveals something to you guys? Not all the time, but you know one of the main reasons he reveals it to you? So you could pray about it. If God is revealing something to you about your leader, about your pastor, it's not so you can say, look how look he is. Look how, look how disorganized he is. He's revealing it to you so you can pray for that person. Not to throw your spiritual, your, your spiritual bag all over the place and say, look, God has revealed to me major flaws in this leadership team. And I feel like saying like, Feel like, I feel like saying, like, yeah, you know, we have some flaws, but how about you? <laughs> how about you? The, those people are doing that and say, hey, you know what? Pastor George and the team, you know, there's a lot of things that they don't have in this church. They don't have a lot of things in this church, and yet no one is dealing with the log that is in your own eye. Right? G Jesus said, you can fix this later, guys. <laughs> right? Now, look, look, look at this. Look at this. Look at what the Apostle Paul, are you getting something? Look at 2 Corinthians. I'm almost going to get the worship team up here. Don't leave me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Are you there? Are you getting something? This, listen to what Paul the Apostle said. This boasting will do no good. Listen, 
but I must go on. This is Apostle uh, Paul. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up in the what? Come on, and what? Third heaven 14 years ago. Now he's, he's telling his story. Look at the difference between Paul, a mature Paul, and an immature Joseph. Are you ready? 14 years ago, I was caught up in a vision. Now, let me pause and say this. If a 17-year-old said that, and it wasn't 14 years ago, and it was fresh, it would have sounded like Joseph. But look at what a seasoned, tried, fire going through Paul said. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I, I don't really know. God, only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. Watch this. But I do know that I was caught up into paradise. Watch this. Are you ready for this? And heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. Could it be that some things that God speaks powerfully about your calling, about your dream, about your assignment is for you to know. Not for you to tell certain people about it. That doesn't mean you can't share it with some close people. But even Jesus had this principle. He said, don't toss your pearls before swine. Don't give what's holy to the pigs or they'll stample, trample upon it. Oh, Jesus. I, I'm almost done here, but I have, to, I have to bring this home. I have to bring this home. Listen, listen to this. I'm going to say something right now that's going to be a, a drop the mic moment. I want you to put this, look, look at this, this slide, this next point. Ready? If you have a problem with your mouth, you have a problem with your heart. <laughs> Some of you can't even look at me right now when I'm talking. They're like. If you have a problem with your mouth, you have a problem with your heart. Pastor George, where is that? Remember Matthew chapter 15? We don't have to go there. But Jesus said, hey, I'm going to give you a revelation. It's not what comes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth, out of your heart that defiles you. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart. So if you have a word problem, a confession problem, especially in the tone of your voice, if it comes to pride, then you have a heart problem. Pride, are you ready for this Re big revelation? It's a heart problem. It's not a location problem. It's not a church problem. It's not a family problem. It's not even an upbringing problem. It's a heart problem. Now, now I'm, I'm closing with this. I want the worship team to start coming up uh, on the team. Oh, man, I'm just telling you, I want to blow up here. I'm, I'm closing with this. I, I promise I'm closing with this. What's the classic scripture on pride? Can anyone tell me? Classic. The number one scripture that comes into your mind about pride. So, let's say that again. Okay, you all know it, right? Pride comes before the what? And a haughty look before destruction. Right? Let's say that with me. Pride comes before the fall and a haughty look before destruction. In Joseph's life, that was literal, not figurative. He fell into a pit after he failed the pride test. Now, I'm going to close with one last scripture, and then we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray that anyone in here who has struggled with the pride test 
will not be prideful in admitting that you have pride. One of the hardest people to reach or convict is people that feel that they don't need any change. Now watch this. Watch this. Pride, look at this, uh, one of the last slides. Look at this, uh, this point. Pride places us in direct opposition against God. Everybody say direct opposition. But, but humility, everybody say humility. Moves the Lord's hand of favor and promotion in your life. Here's a news flash. Both pride and humility are a choice. Pride is a choice, but humility is a choice. Now you say, where do you get that? I'm going to leave you with one last scripture. First Peter chapter 5, and then we're going to pray. Are you getting something this morning? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Look at what, the, look at what it says. I'm going to break down the, the, the Greek word for, for resist, right, oppose, so you understand what this means in context. Likewise, you younger people. Submit yourself to your elders. That, that, that right there is a whole other sermon right there. Can I be honest with you? This is not even my notes. If we have a problem not only with godly correction but godly submission. I know there's, I know there's control submission. I know there's uh, overbearing submission. I know that. There's some churches that are super controlling when it comes to submission. But do you know the Bible actually talks about healthy godly submission? Right? If we have... A problem with submitting to authority, we're failing the pride test. What's the first characteristic or the main characteristic that we see in scripture that caused Satan to be thrown out of heaven? Look at me. I am the anointed cherub. Instruments all over me, pipes all over me. I could see, I could hear musically more than anybody the scripture says Jesus said I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven because there was pride found in his heart now watch this look at verse 5 are you there I'm closing likewise you younger people submit yourself to your elders yes all of you be submissive to one another that's a curse word uh, submission are you crazy you're just controlling me. You're trying to control me. You're part of that old wineskin. I came out of that. I know what that is. No, you're still hurt. No, you're still, if you're talking like that, you're still hurt, my friend. Watch this. Watch this. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with what? With what? For God resists the proud. Resist the proud. But watch this. This doesn't seem fair. Give grace to the humble. It is fair. We're reaping our consequences. If we choose pride, we are placing ourselves in direct opposition of God. When we choose humility, it releases the hand of favor and promotion over your life. You say, how? Keep reading. Watch this. God resists the proud to give grace to the humble. Look at verse 6. This is going to be a shoddy moment. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It doesn't stop there. That he might exalt you in due time. The word resist in the Greek means antitasso, which means, reading from the Greek, to place yourself directly against someone in battle. I'm reading from the Greek lexicon. The word resist, when it says God resists the proud, 
That word resist is to place yourself opposite someone in battle. God says, when you are unrepentive of pride, you are coming directly against me. And I place myself directly against you. Pastor George, come on. I don't, we're in the New Testament. Name me one incident. Name me one incident. I challenge you, you scholars, that God is okay with you being prideful. One. Name me one incident. God says, I'll let that one pass. You're a little bit arrogant, but I'll let that one pass. God resists the proud. The Bible in another verse says, but gives more grace. Humility positions you for the favor of God. You want favor? You want favor? Repent of pride. Walk in humility, and you'll see the blessings and the favor come to your life. I always go the low road now because I know I'm not that smart to get all of this, to be blessed with all this. You know why? Because I chose the low road. You know how many people have backstabbed me in my walk with God? You know how many people have talked behind my back? You know how many times, this is a true story, that I wanted to tell my story to them because they heard it from their family and they didn't hear it from me. And God says, be quiet. Several times. Be quiet, I will defend you. But Lord, I want to tell them. I want to tell them. Because their family is telling them something that's not true about me. Be quiet, I will defend you. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Last point. I never end with a point, but I'm going to end with a point now. I want you to look at the screen, and then we're going to pray. Look at the screen. This is the last point. The very last point. Let's put it up there. God has an assignment and a destiny for your life. But you will never fulfill your destiny until you pass the pride test. I'm going to, I'm going to say it one last time. God has an assignment for your life. But you will never fulfill that assignment until you pass the pride test. How do you pass a pride test? Good question. You pass the pride test by recognizing somewhere along the journey that these signs that I gave you are not just personality quirks about you. They're actually a real deep-rooted problem. If you find yourself always bucking against authority, if you find yourself always getting agitated when someone corrects you in love, it's not your personality, my friends. It's beyond that. I had to learn the hard way. I'm gonna, but I'm going to give you something really powerful. If you're in leadership of any kind, business, spiritual, whatever, it will be very exhausting for you. Oh, here I hear this from the Lord. If you fail the pride test in this area, the enemy will convince you to quit. And the thing that, that pride and offense are like brothers because it, it camouflages itself under the presumption of all the wrong that was supposedly done to you. Listen, listen, I just said something deep. Pride, offense, and anger camouflage the true nature of pride, offense, and anger by making you focus on all the supposed injustice done on you. When in reality, God is saying, look deeper within and say, why are you reacting like this? God is not concerned about just your, your actions. It's about your reactions. Ask yourself this. What do I find myself reacting to over and over again that I'm blaming everybody else to? Maybe, 
just maybe you have a small role to do with that. Do not rebuke a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Some of you, pride has come in the form of hurt. So you become hardened. I don't know about you, but when I get hurt, I get prideful. And I'm just going to be conf- I'm gonna confess that to you. I don't want to hear anybody. I'm tired of being hurt, so I get prideful. Another form of pride is wisdom. When you feel like you know more because of your um, education, because how many books you're reading. You know, I know, I know people that read books, books, friends of mine, and it's almost as if their God is their knowledge. We hide behind how smart we are, how much revelation we have, and never deal with the prideful issues in our heart. And then lastly, and this is where I'm going to close, maybe you're like Joseph. Maybe it's the words that you're saying. Maybe you have to always say your resume. You always find yourself having to prove yourself. Let it go. Let it go. Because in order for you to graduate from calling to destiny, we must pass the pride test. Everyone say amen. Stand up. Stand up for me. Come on. We're going to pray. We're gonna, our worship team is going to sing something in the background. But I want God to deal with us before we, get, before we leave. I'm going to let you go. But we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to sing right now. And I want to ask you to examine yourself and say, God, is there any test today on pride that you've been wanting me to pass with my spouse, with my church, with my life? Is there an area where I have allowed pride to get the best of me? And is there an area that I find myself in now because of those decisions? God wants us to pass it. And remember, if we don't pass it, we just take it all over again. I don't know about you, but I don't want to take the pride test over again. There's two ways for you to get humility in your life. You either humble yourself or you get humbled. I rather humble myself than get humbled. God is so committed for you that he says, okay, if you're not willing to humble yourself, I will allow you to be humbled. I don't want to learn the hard way, do you? Come on, lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your hands. Go ahead.
before we leave today, I want you just to close your eyes. I'm going to make this simple for you. I feel the Lord spoke to me and said, all of us, at some point of our life and even now, this is a test that we continually need to pass. But some more than others. If you know deep down, I'm not going to make you come up. This is not what I'm calling you. Just right there in your seats. I don't want to embarrass you. If you're saying, you know what, this message, the first test that Joseph had to pass, and the symptoms that was shared of possibly losing the battle of the pride test, if you say, that's me, I, I need to work on this area of my life. And I'm going to ask God, I'm going to repent of these areas of my life. I'm going to ask God to heal my heart of whatever the root is that's causing this pride to rise up. I give you permission. Come on, just say that with me in your heart. I give you permission, Lord, to search me, to highlight to me the areas that I'm failing the pride test. And I'm asking that you would give me the strength to choose humility. I choose to humble myself before God. I choose to admit that I may be wrong at times. I choose to admit that I'm hurting. Today, I'm asking for a restart of the exam in our spiritual community. Some of you may need to apply this in your ministry. Some of you may need to apply this test in your business. Some of you may need to apply this in the way that you talk to people. And some of you need to apply this in your own personal calling. I'm going to end with this. Many of you have a big calling. Hear me. Many of you have a powerful calling. Do not allow past hurts, disappointments, your knowledge to get you into place of blinding pride. Choose the low road. Choose the low road. Choose humility. And I'm going to say a strong word. Repent of pride in your life. Repent. Father, right now we repent of areas that we have been blinded to. You know, I, I, I just hear this. I, I, I always wait for the Lord, but I hear this. I just heard this right now. Listen, 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 listen. I just heard that for some, the, the dealing the, the dealing with, with pride comes out of the root of rejection. Like I, I, just, I just heard root of rejection just so strong in my spirit. Do you know that those that are in this room that have been rejected by churches, rejected by authority, will have a sense to try to prove themselves when they get that business, when they get that calling. It's always subliminal. It's never, it's never look at me. It's always fueled out of, I was rejected. So I'm going to go way above the root of rejection. If you're not careful, will cause a prideful spirit to sneak in. And the motive of why you do, why you do, is to prove all the naysayers that rejected you. Look at me. Now, now, you will never say that, but it's a heart thing. If you've been rejected, and you've been, if you have a root of rejection, 
be careful because there's a sense of you trying to prove something. I did, I literally, I've never shared what, I, what I'm about to share. Years ago, I was in a mission trip. Years ago, I've never shared this ever. And I had a prophetic word over somebody. This, this guy, he's, he's still a friend of mine to this day. Short, stocky, but, but built, right? And we were in a mission trip. And I remember we were in Peru. I was a youth pastor. And I was, and I was there. The Lord told me, give him this word. I go, this is the weirdest word I've ever given anybody. Watch this. So I said, I see you. True story. I, I, I'm seeing this right now in my head. I see you lifting weights when you were younger. And he's like, yeah, it's obvious. You know, he's kind of muscular, right? I said, but I see that the motive of you lifting weights was because your dad, you wanted to prove something to your dad. And every time that you lift weights, <laughs> I said to him, I said, you're going to prove to him that he's not going to reject you anymore. He's not going to slap you around anymore. I said, the motive of why you're hitting the gym it's not for you to be strong. It's to finally one day prove to him that you're stronger than he is. That man began to cry uncontrollably. I've never seen it. Like a little girl. <laughs> he began to cry because I was describing an image in his childhood that the motivation for lifting weights was not to get stronger. It was to prove himself out of rejection. It was, I will be somebody, and you are not going to stop me. And the whole motive was out of rejection. If you're doing something today that's even powerful for the Lord, but it's rooted out of that place of rejection, it's the wrong fuel. The right fuel needs to be pure, Holy Spirit, without proving yourself to anybody. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He had no reputation. He, he didn't have to prove himself to anybody. So if that's you, I don't know why I said that, but I felt that for somebody. Some of you are struggling with pride and you don't even know it, and it's out of a root of rejection to try to prove something. God says you're not an orphan. You don't need to prove anything anymore. I set you free from that. You're a son and a daughter, and you can still do things right, but don't do it with the fuel, the fuel or gasoline to prove yourself out of a root of rejection. How many can relate to what I just said? I, how many could relate to, the, to, to what I just said? The fuel is so true. Father, I pray right now for every one of us that we will have a heart change, that we will see ourselves not as someone that strives and proves something. All our lives we've been trying to run 100 miles an hour to prove that we're somebody. But Lord, I set my people free today from that. I set my people free from performance. I set people free from the, from the snare that pride has got them that says they have to perform. They have to be looked at because of the root of rejection. I say, bring healing to the root of rejection. We release that root. Come on, say that with me. I release that root. Come on, say it loud. I release the root of rejection from my childhood. I release the root of rejection from my life. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. For I am the Lord's and He is mine. And that's enough for me. I, I don't know how to end this service other than the altar is open. We're going to play it one that time. I, I don't normally end like this. 
But if you feel this struck a chord in you, just present yourself on the altar. You can kneel down. Church is going to be dismissed. God bless you. Give the Lord a big shout of praise right now. Come on, amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.